see you guys. Uh, see some new faces today too. Um, if you haven't met, my name is Aiden, uh, pastor at SCLC here. Um, good to gather together as always on Sunday and uh, get to praise uh, that songs that remind us of God's grace and love for us and just be able to hear God's word like this. I think it's a blessing so we can always remember how much God loves our church uh, through this time. Um, well, happy Father's Day. Well, happy Father's Day to me. <laughs> um, hope you uh, get to celebrate it with your fathers um, if you're able. But like I said, uh, back on uh, Mother's Day, I also want to acknowledge that uh, this day could be a sad day for some of us, you know, maybe because you might have lost your earthly fathers. I'm sorry uh, if that's the case. Or you have some, you know, difficult relationship with uh, your fathers. Um, just want to mention this so that you know that we remember you. We are not forgotten in this community this day. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, Father's Day, uh, I think we can also remember uh, ultimately our Heavenly Father, right? Um, so let us celebrate in that together. Uh, today, we're going to continue on in our series in the book of Philippians. Uh, we're moving on to chapter 4, reading just two verses today. Chapter 4 of uh, verses, or uh, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please turn there with me. We'll read that together. I'll pray for us, and we'll go into our time of the word together. Again, Philippians 4, 2-3. It says, I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. There's the word of the Lord. Uh, let's pray together before we uh, go into the sermon together. Heavenly Father, we come before you uh, undone. If it is in your grace, how shall we live? But because your love for us does not depend on our performances or our good days or bad days, but it depends on your son's perfect righteousness. So we come before you with confidence, asking for more grace so we can be strengthened especially during this time of the word. Uh, as you speak through these words, uh, may you uh, speak directly to our hearts and help us apply these words to our lives so we can grow, uh, not just as individually, uh, but uh, as a community, as a church together. Thank you, Lord. Uh, please give us listening hearts, and uh, please work through me. Uh, give me strength and help me to uh, be clear 
and communicating your word and your word alone. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of today's sermon is The Reconciling Community. So we'll look at the topic of reconciliation. Uh, three points. First, the common mindset. Second, the common mission. Third, the common value. And we'll see that these are the three reasons why we are to be reconciled to one another. First, common mindset. Verse 2, Paul says, I entreat or plead with Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Uh, Euodia and Syntyche were a woman in the church of Philippi uh, who were having some disputes with one another. But other than that, we have no idea who these ladies are because there's no bio for them in this text. And also, we, don't have, we have no idea. We don't have the exact nature of uh, their fight, like what they're fighting about. But we do know that their dispute uh, must have been serious since he, uh, Paul includes this account in this public letter uh, for the whole church to hear. So it, it was not a private conflict, but it was quite public. I think it was dividing the church. But whatever this fight was, now Paul is pleading with these women one by one, it's very earnestly. You know, I entreat you, Odia, I entreat Syntyche. And now let's look at what he is pleading with them to do. And the text says, to agree in the Lord. To agree in the Lord. The translation there is a little misleading uh, because it sounds like Paul is telling them to not disagree on anything and think alike on every account. Uh, that's not the case. If you go to uh, NIV, uh, they translated uh, be of the same mind. And that's actually closer to what the Greek text says. Uh, in fact, Paul used the same exact phrase back in chapter 2, verse 2 where he was telling the church to be united. It's a common theme there, right? Be united, be reconciled. And to achieve unity there, Paul suggested that they have a mind of Christ. This actually mindset, that's probably a better way to put it, mindset of Jesus. What is it? Uh, in chapter 2, Paul listed that you know, though he was God, you know, Jesus did not use that power and position to benefit himself, but to give himself away for the good of others. And he ultimately served the needs of our uh, eternal matters, salvation, by dying on the cross uh, for people. So now, please come back with me to our current text. So Paul is telling Euodia and Syntyche to have this mindset of Jesus Christ. And I think here's what it means by that. Paul is saying each of them, each person, Euodia and Syntyche, should experience personally this mindset that Christ has for them individually. Meaning, they will be saying, you know, because of my sin, God and I are enemies, naturally. But God, in His mercy, reached out to me first, 
and he sent his son to die in my place so that I can be forgiven of my sin so that God and I can be reconciled in our relationship. And from that place of vertical divine reconciliation, now I can look around and see who else I have problem with in my life. And with the humility, Christ mindset, I seek out those people to try to be reconciled with them by serving their needs above my own. That's what Paul means by that. And you see, if Euodia and Syntyche have this attitude towards each other of you know, serving one another above their own needs, reconciliation can happen. Meaning, you know, they could have disagreements. That's not what Paul is saying. Disagreement can be good. That makes church grow. That makes us grow. But in their disagreements, uh, they are to have humility that says, I could be wrong. I don't have to be right. But my goal is by exchanging ideas and listening to what the, the other person is saying and trying to understand what they're saying, I try to build that person up. We build each other up. We build up the church as a community as opposed to only one of them coming out as the winner of the argument. So all that to say, you see these two women, by virtue of being Christ followers, they have this common mindset of Christ. And Paul is pleading with them to use that commonality for their broken relationship. Let me ask you this question, uh, two questions. How many of you have watched Queen's Gambit? Okay, good. And how many of you have watched WandaVision? A lot of you, okay. I have watched neither because I don't have Netflix nor Disney Plus. You might think I have no hobby. That's probably true. Although I said last week that I have hobby in landscaping now. But anyways, I did not watch these shows. But I heard a lot about it because there were a lot of passionate people about these shows. And, and about Queen's Gambit, they would say, Oh man, there's like such good character development about this show. It's amazing. And then about WandaVision, they say, Oh man, my... You know, Marvel Universe is like expanding and exploding, you know? It's like, heard about, heard about these things. But whenever they talk like this, I have no idea, right? Because I haven't watched them. But within themselves, they know what they're talking about, right? Because they have experienced, you know, these shows and they're passionate about it and they're like just even enriching their experience by sharing these experiences with the other person. I think that's what Paul is saying here about um, Euodia and Syntyche. You know, they have the common experience of God's reconciling work in their hearts through Christ. And when they share this experience and apply, you know, reconciliation uh, by Christ's mindset, you know, their experience can be enriched, right? And, And they do that by trying to serve one another above their own needs. And that's, again, how uh, reconciliation can happen between uh, 
two parties. And that's what we're called to do. Uh, if you're a Christ follower, you know, God's reconciling work in me should spill out onto other people. And, and when that person shares the common experience of Christ, then reconciliation is very possible and it is you know, certainty by God's grace. So the common, uh, what is it? Common mindset. All right, common mindset. That's the one reason why we want to reconcile. Second, common mission. The common mission. Uh, verse 3, it says, Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help this woman. So here Paul is calling one person out here, uh, calling him true companion. Again, we have no idea who this person is, and we don't have to know. A lot of speculations, you know, if you read commentaries, but you don't have to know. Um, but what is at stake here is that Paul is asking this guy to be a mediator between Eodia and Syntyche. And of course, it's, it's obvious because in any relational struggles, a mediator can be helpful and sometimes necessary, depending on the gravity of situation. And then Paul moves on to give this mediator a reason why he must help these women reconcile. So we go on in verse 3. It says, Who have labored, the, the, the ladies, who have labored side by side with me in the gospel? The words there, labor side by side, are none other than gladiator language. Gladiator. Meaning, the, the, the words depict a person fighting a beast in a gladiator arena back in you know, Roman days. So Paul is saying that these women fought like a so fellow soldier, like a fellow teammate um, against different foes for the sake of the gospel. They're like comrades. So now, here's what Paul is saying then. He's telling the mediator, hey, you got to help these guys out because if you don't, the gospel ministry, gospel evangelism in the world will be at stake. Because these women are not fighting for the gospel anymore. Now they're fighting with one another. So you got to do something about this situation for the sake of the gospel. And besides, if you think about it, Unresolved conflicts uh, within the church themselves are a bad witness to the world. In, back in John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, uh, if you have love for one another. But conversely, if the world sees that the Christ followers are not loving, but in fact having contempt toward each other, they will not, they're not going to believe the gospel that they preach. So unresolved, unreconciled conflicts hurt the church's mission in the world. That's what Paul is saying. Uh, time to time, our house has an uh, ants problem. Okay, so we, we find the ants on the bathroom floor, sometimes on the wall. Sometimes in my hair, I'm just kidding, no, 
we didn't go that far yet. Thank God. But it's like everywhere sometimes. Um, but over the years, I found the best solution to combat ants. And it's not one of those you know, spray kinds that kill the ants instantly. The kind that I use works like this. It comes with uh, small plastic containers with a, an opening at the end, and, and they contain liquid inside. And as you can imagine, the liquid, of course, is the poison. But it's a special kind of poison because it doesn't kill the ants instantly, but gradually, slowly. So what I do is I, I place these, these baits in the areas where I see a lot of ants. Uh, and the ants enter into these baits. They take a sip of the poison. They get out and they go back to their colony. And what happens next is glorious. Because they not only go back to the colony, but they share the poison with their poor ants' friends. And they all die. The whole population dies. Um, and apparently, uh, I, I, so I, I did this um, not too long ago. And, and the other day, like yesterday, I checked the bathroom and there was no ants in the bathroom. Meaning, it worked for my house again, like last year. The, the, the whole population died in, in my house or are my house. This works. And the reason why I share this is because that's kind of like that about unresolved conflicts in the church. At first, you may think that these are just individual matters, just like the, the, the ants that just took a sip of the poison, thinking, oh, just like me, I'm just the one that's suffering. But what's going to happen is that the whole community gets affected. And eventually, you know, for the church, not just, you know, the peace of our community is disrupted, but the mission of the gospel that church is to have in the world is debilitated by these unresolved conflicts. So that's why Paul is so passionate about, you know, recruiting this, you know, mediator from the church to help these women out. Just like doing everything possible in its power to solve this because not just those individuals, but the whole church mission is at stake. And we have to heed that as a church community to do our best. If we need to be mediators, we should, if that's appropriate. Not in a meddling way, but in a wise way. So that CLS's mission of reaching out to the U of M campus and the greater Twin Cities area can be accomplished and can, will not be hindered. That's what's at stake, not just small conflicts. So reconciliation because of the common mission. And third and last, the common value. Uh, Paul ends the verse in this way, help these women together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. So in, in his letters, Paul usually likes to list the names of his friends and co-workers in the gospel. And that's what he does here. He uh, lists this guy named Clement. We have, we have no idea. We don't have to know. And the rest of his fellow workers, he, he lists them. 
What's remarkable, remarkable about this list is that Paul includes Euodia and Syntyche. Two reasons why it's so, so remarkable. First, it's remarkable because they were women. In the first century, to our dismay, women were not honored in the society. So it's incredibly countercultural that Paul regards them as his fellow workers, equal to himself and the other male co-workers. This means that Paul valued each and every one of his co-workers, regardless of their gender or any of their credentials or background. Second reason why it's remarkable is because, like we saw, these women are causing problems. You know, they are fighting with one another, they're you know, dividing the church, and they're, you know, hindering the gospel ministry in the world. And yet, Paul still does not think any less of these women, but still calls them his fellow workers. I think this, this goes along with how Paul views himself in the gospel. Uh, we, we see this back in Earlier, uh, chapter 3, Paul said that he forgets his own past and he moves forward. Why? Because of the grace of God. And now, Paul is seeing this woman through the same lens of grace, saying, sure, they are kind of messed up right now, but I still forget, you know, their past. Of course, I'm trying to deal with their wrongdoing. I don't condone that. But in the bigger scheme of things, they are forgiven by God and they are still my friends and they are still my fellow workers in the gospel. So so Paul still values them regardless of their failures and sins. But get this, follow with me. What's even more remarkable in the text is and even more perhaps mind-blowing is the fact that not just Paul but God himself values each of his gospel workers, including Euodia and Syntyche. We see that in the last portion of the verse, it says, whose names, all these guys, whose names are in the book of life. Back in chapter 3, verse 20, Paul said, Christ followers are citizens of God's heavenly kingdom. So this book of life basically lists all the names of those who belong to this kingdom and those who are destined for the final resurrection. We we studied it last week. And here, what's interesting is that Paul, if you read read through the, the verse there, he couldn't name some of these fellow workers and he resorted to calling them the rest of my fellow workers. It's probably because, you know, he ran out of page or whatever, not because he didn't care about them, but he nonetheless skipped their names What he's saying here is that in the book of life, God didn't forget their names. In the book of life, God listed each one of their names. Meaning, people in our lives may forget our names or do not acknowledge what we do for God. But God never forgets. God knows our name. God always values what we do for Him and who we are in Christ. And again, we see Euodia and Syntyche are also included in the book of life, despite sins and failures. 
again, grace. But just let's not just pick on these two ladies because if we look at ourselves, no one's name deserves to be on in the book of life. We all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. It's only because God in his rich mercy reached out to us first before we loved him back. And he sent his son to die in our place so that we can be included in this list. You see, God's valuing each one of us in his book is based on the perfect righteousness of Christ, not our performance, whether it's success or failure. It's based upon the perfect righteousness of Christ. That's why we can rest. That's why we can be joyful no matter what happens in my life. Grace. That's how God sees each one of us. So now go back to the main point, right? Paul is exhorting them to reconcile. Why should they reconcile? Because, you know, each of them are valued workers of God in God's eyes. And Paul hates to see these guys, you know, straying away because of these conflicts. They are valued in God. I have shared this story before, uh, but it's, it's a fascinating illustration. Uh, there is a coffee beans com- company called uh, I Have a Bean. I don't know if you've heard of this company. Uh, I think what's interesting about this company is that most of its employees uh, have some sort of a criminal record. They have spent time in jail. So they're felons, right? And, and now, before we just kind of like label them, I, I want us to um, kind of put ourselves in their shoe. Just think about it. Because their criminal records are permanently in their records, they have a hard time getting jobs because the employers, they do background check and they, they find out they have records, so they're rejected. And if you imagine just yourself, you know, getting, just constantly getting re- rejected by these employers, what does that do to you? It, it makes you feel like, man, I have no worth. And so a lot of these guys end up, you know, struggling with self-hate and depression. It's, it's because of shame that they feel. Because of their past mistakes, they're not considered valuable. They're not uh, considered honored. Not just as a worker, but even as a human being. But this coffee beans company specifically hires these people with the past and they give them value. Especially the owner of the company who is a Christian, uh, he personally treats each, each employee with respect, uh, just the way he talks to them. And he, and he even entrusts them with uh, his keys to, the, to his building. Meaning that he's trying to communicate that he trusts them, right? And again, just imagine what, what that would do to these, these employees who have been struggling with shame. All of a sudden in this company, they're like, wow, I have a value. Somebody trusts me. I want to work harder. And so in this company, their dignity is, is restored. Now, 
into our lives, into me and you. Before God's holy law, we are off balance, right? Kind of strong language there, but spiritually, it's true. We're off balance according to God's law. And yet, God, in Colossians 2, it says, it's this beautiful word picture. It says, God in Christ nailed all our records, records of sin, records of spiritual crime on the cross so that they're no more ours. And now when God sees us as he sees perfect righteousness of Christ, we are infinitely valued. People who have potential to do much more for God's kingdom. So in light of this then, what to me, what this call is calling us to do as a church community is that, that we are called to respect each other. That we are called to honor one another as people who God honors, people who God values. And one way to respect one another is reconciliation when there's broken relationships in our community. And if you don't seek to do that, I think that communicates what? That you don't value that person. You can just ghost them. I don't need that person in my life. When God says, I value that person, why can't you? Reconciliation because of the common value that we have in Christ. So in closing, I just want to say this. Um, as I was just preparing this message and just thinking about what this means for me and for our church. Um, I don't know if it's too cheesy or not, but I do want to say I value every single one of you. Especially during this time where you know our church community is going through lots of change and uncertainty. I think of you every day and think about each one of you and wow. Just thinking about how God loves you, each one of you, and values you. It's mind-boggling and it blesses my heart. And I want to do that more. And I do want to say, as I say that, uh, me being part of this community, um, I, I just want to preemptively say that I'm not a perfect person. And I'm bound to uh, sin against you in some form and shape. And when that happens, I want to plead with you to forgive me and please seek reconciliation with me. And I'll do that with you as well. Why? Because we're valued. Why? Also because ultimately the gospel is at stake. God entrusted the gospel to CLC to reach out to this campus and to Twin Cities. And when we don't actually seek reconciliation, that mission will be hindered. And we wouldn't want that because without that mission, CLC stops existing. Um, so let's do that. That's what communities call for. Reconciliation. Let's pray together. This may sound exclusive in maybe today's culture. Um, and and it, it is. Um, but notice how Paul starts with the fact that 
Reconciliation is a Christian privilege. I've talked to many religious people where for the concept of forgiveness and reconciliation is foreign. What that means is in the Western culture, we have taken this for granted. It's because the Christianity preaches the gospel that says God reconciled the, reconciled the world to himself through, through his son. That's why reconciliation is even an option. And therefore, if we long to achieve this grand task of seeking reconciliation with others who have wronged us, it has to start from, from God. It can't be just human endeavor. May we meditate right now on how much God loves me, loves you. That He reached out to me and you first. With the sole purpose of being reconciled. God doesn't need us. That itself shows how great His love is for us. He voluntarily came to us to mend the brokenness of our relationship with Him. So can we just meditate on that? Meditate on the fact that in Jesus Christ, all our wrongs, all our mistakes, all our failures, past, present, and future, have been nailed to the cross. They're ours no longer. We can't have confidence that our relationship with God has been reconciled in Christ. Let us do that. May the Holy Spirit work in our hearts through this time before we uh, sing the song and um, end our service. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there's no way to save ourselves in any way. The whole world is going down that path. But out of your great love for us, you presented the gospel to us. In Christ, we are completely free, completely reconciled. You don't bring out our past guilt and wrong over and over just to shame us. No, you have forgotten our past in Christ. Thank you, Lord. So that in our relationship with you, we are free. We're free to be loved. We're free to love you and do anything for your glory because we want you. And Lord, as you desire us to um, reconcile with those that we have problems with and also be uh, mediators to serve that way as peacemakers in the community. Whatever that might be, Lord, that this passage speaks, speaks to us, help us to, to, um, to gain strength from you. And as we look to um, all of our offenders or friends that have straight away um, help us to 
seek out uh, with your strength, with your grace, and be able to picture uh, your reconciliation with us, with them. And ultimately, Lord, UCLC to be the reconciling, reconciling agent uh, in this communities around us. Help us to be the bridge between the world and you, presenting the gospel to them clearly in a loving, gracious way so that more people may be reconciled to you, God. But thank you for initiating the reconciling work with us first. Help us, God. Strengthen us. Now let us uh, finish with the Lord's Prayer together.